Hello and welcome to the Eco Business Podcast. I'm Robin Hicks. On today's show, we're going to talk about education and how young people are taught about climate change and the future they will be living in. Climate change is a scary reality, particularly for young people who will be living in a warmer, more dangerous world in the coming years. So how do we teach the realities of climate change without traumatizing children? In 2008, a school was born in the jungles of Bali, Indonesia, that broke from the norms of conventional education by teaching young people in a natural setting to give them a deeper connection with the natural world that is alien to so many students these days. Green School teaches real, not virtual skills, and aims to create a future generation of what its founders, John and Cynthia Hardy, have called green leaders. Though Green School teaches regular subjects like mathematics, history and literature, it also teaches a broader set of skills that will be needed to adapt to a future of dwindling resources. Joining the Eco Business podcast to talk about how Green School teaches young people about climate change and the future of education is Leslie Medema, Green School's head of learning. Welcome to the podcast, Leslie. Thanks so much for joining us. It's an interesting topic, isn't it? Education, particularly at this time, um, COVID nineteen pandemic and everything that comes with it. Um, so it, it, the future is so important for, for young people at the moment, as we're, as we're realising every day. Um, first of all, Leslie, I'd like to ask you about the Green School curriculum. Now, the Green School is a special place launched in 2008. As I understand, you've been there for 10 years. Um, first of all, yeah, tell us about the curriculum and what makes it different. I think it's really important that it's 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 all encompassing. It's really not just about the curriculum. That's just one piece. Now, of course, um, and in that system, it's really competency based. It's really high level skill based. There's no prescribed bank of knowledge, although it would be weird uh, if a green school did not um, examine the carbon cycle, for example. But we're at, it's actually about the knowledge, skills, and values that that come together for abilities to solve problems. And yeah, can you give us a, a bit of flavor about um, how the curriculum takes shape? Say, say what's a typical uh, day in the life of a green school student, Leslie? Yeah, I'll do, I'll do that in two ways. I mean, a typical day in the life would be that you come into campus uh, and again, campus is uh, you're at outdoors as much as possible. Uh, and, and you hear a lot of music and, you, and music really is something that brings community together and brings cultures together from around the world. Uh, and oftentimes you'll hear that as you come into school and then you'll go to your class and I'm talking about a third or fourth grader here and you'll have community time where you share um, things that happened in your family or things that are coming up. And then you might have uh, a lesson in music or a lesson in arts, um, something very experiential in that sense. You might be putting together a play where your entire set is based on recycled materials that you get from our recycling center that we have on campuses. And then you might go into um, a very uh, short, sharp, specific uh, English lesson or, and or a math lesson. So really specific skills. And then we go out and do try to go outside and, and implement that in the field in some way or hands-on. And then you'll have um, what we call a thematic lesson, which is often project-based or place-based. And really, instead of being, this is our science and social science lesson, this is a combined lesson where we're talking about a, a skill or a concept or a project. 
And I guess just to follow on that, that's one of my favorite ones is the, the great chicken project of grade four, where the students um, decided that they wanted to um, take care of chickens and have some chickens, but they didn't have any money for chickens. So they had to figure out how to fundraise for chickens. Uh, and so they actually went to our business manager and asked for a loan and that business, they were learning about exponents at the time. And so we were able to really give them the runaround with different um, loan rates and learning how th that kind of impacts. And so there's a lot of math in there. And then they, they bought their chickens and then they had to raise their chickens and learn how to um, get those chickens to lay eggs so that they could you know, sell the eggs and pay back the loan. But through that, they had to do well-being of chickens. And then from that, we can bring in well-being of the self and what it takes for us to feel um, good, what it takes for us to eat well so that we can um, be at our best, all the way through to bringing in the arts um, so that they could design a chicken coop that was um, chicken-friendly and beautiful, uh, all the way to then making poems and stories about their chickens and the life of their chickens. and and on and on and on. So there's enterprise and project, there's environmental action, there's English, there's maths. It's all enmeshed in these projects and uh, thematic concepts. Okay, sounds wonderful. Another thing I'm really interested in is the culture at Green School, right? Now I've read on the website, it sounds really quite utopic that, um, and I quote, Green School has, has built its learning program on the belief that the child has to be free from fear from anything else. Um, be, sorry, before anything else can be achieved, fear from uh, the fear of failure, the fear of being themselves, the fear of the learning process. Mm -hmm. um, now, a lot of young people, um, like it or not, are, are naturally quite scared or wary um, of the learning process that they find usually quite intimidating um, for whatever reason, or they're young people, right? And it takes a while for them to build their confidence. Yeah. How is it that Green School can... Um, create this culture that is free from fear? Well, I think one of the most difficult things about a lot of education systems today is that it actually celebrates and prioritizes being the same. So it is sort of uh, the, the testing that you do is it sort of says, hey, you're a good student or you're not a good student based on this singular way of learning and showing your learning. And, and that's the same with how we are as human beings too. It's sort of like we, we get together in groups and we have to be similar and we have to conform in order for us to be accepted. And I think what we've very actively tried to do is make it really clear that actually our differences and how different we are is what makes the world a really interesting uh, place is that we all have to be different in order for creative solutions to come about. And we celebrate that. And we celebrate that all the time. Alongside though, that we are part of a community and our differences have worked together in order to make these, these things possible. And so the, the first part is just celebrating differences and celebrating those, those, those things. Uh, we also, in, in terms of how you show your learning, we don't have exams. We allow students to show their learning in lots of different ways. Um, and we will challenge them if there's, a style that is not necessarily easy for them, like writing an essay, let's say, and will help them through that. But it won't be the be all and end all of your education. This means you're a good student and this means you're not. And we're really careful about that um, and making sure that that's not what that's about. And then we, we, we do a lot of celebrations together. It's not weird to go into green school and see students dancing by themselves and doing things by themselves because 
um, that's not strange to us. That's, that's great. And we celebrate that. So uh, it's a combination of a lot of different elements, but the most important is that um, we're different and that's a good thing. Absolutely. It sounds fascinating. Yeah, I still have nightmares about exams <laughs> from school um, because just built that, that process of building up to an exam, the expectation on you passing that exam and the fear of failing that exam is still something that, that yeah, <laughs> I live with. Um, so what, I've got to ask, Leslie, so what about discipline, right? What, what, if, what if kids are a little bit wayward or they, they veer from the path or the green school way, as, as, you, as you call it? How, how do you, de- is there any detention? Is there any, because I went to a, a school, a fairly strict school, there was, it's boarding school and they're quite serious um, repercussions for kids that um, were wayward. How does green, uh, green school deal with the, uh, the unruly yeah. Well, um, I think the first thing we do is we always go back to our I respect values. And that's really just to simplify, it's about integrity and respect. And so the, the first thing being wayward is, is, is it outside of that respect um, and making sure that we really understand those values. Uh, and then we do have behavior management procedures for students who may fall outside of those those foundational experiences. And the first thing we do is a restorative conversation. We actually try to understand where this behavior is coming from uh, and do do some self-reflection and potentially do some group discussions that really depends on the situation. But really just trying to help students reflect on their behavior and have a chance to talk with parents about that. And then, you know, if things continue, we might have to move to a support plan where we really, you know, and that's going to be very individualized. That's the thing. It's not sort of you did this thing wrong and here's the exact, um, you know, um, thing that's going to happen. It, it might really depend on uh, what's going on in your life and what's going on all around you. Um, but, you know, again, really strong acts of, of disrespect will have serious consequences as well um, because that is an important part of learning and growing and being part of community. Interesting. Now, now back to the curriculum and let's talk about climate change for a minute. Um, one thing that strikes me about climate change um, is that it's scary, right? It's right. particularly scary for young people who are going to have to live with far um, greater harsher consequences of climate change than we are now. How do you teach young kids about the realities of climate change without traumatizing them? Um, frankly, I, I want to ask you about that. Yeah, that's, that is such a good point. Actually, there's great research on this um, out of the Cloud Institute um, and, and many other places that really, um, you can overwhelm young people with the problems of, of sustainability and the problems of what we have. And you you, in, in the world, and actually that can shut them down. So it's actually really important not to do that. And so we, we call it ecophilia. We really start with the essential elements being um, how we love uh, nature, how we love being outside, how we love um, you know, being, getting dirty and um, animals. So when it comes to educating for sustainability, it, actually, it begins with developing a deep love and respect for nature in the younger years. Uh, and helping them develop that, this awareness that everything we have comes from the earth, but not scaring them and overwhelming them. 
And then as they move into the middle years, the students move toward a deeper understanding of the regenerative nature of nature systems. Um, and we do optimistic activities and creative solutions for complex threats to the environment. Again, to show that even at their age, they can make a very big difference in the world around them and have that that's very empowering, that's very confidence building. And then as they grow older, then we do start taking advanced integrated core, uh, courses that focus on high level systems thinking, we engage in global activism, leadership experiences, we start connecting our love with nature with um, the larger activities that we can do in the world, both entrepreneurial and activist wise to, to, to bring forward um, making change in that. So it's very carefully constructed in that sense to move from sort of just this deep, deep love um, to in order to give young people the time to build the confidence and build the resilience they need to tackle the, the bigger problems. Fascinating, yeah. Um, obviously, climate change is a really complex issue, right? As you said there, I guess the, the complexity with which um, you explain climate change obviously evolves as, as students are older, right? Um, is the teaching of climate change more about adaptation or mitigation at Green School, or is it a, a bit of a mixture of both? It's a mixture of both. How I like to describe the teaching of sustainability at Green School is as regeneration. Um, that sustainability is not about obviously sustaining what we currently have, but it's actually about how do we regenerate as well um, and, and move forward so that we, we have enough for everybody to live a healthy and happy life. So I, I would describe it in that way. And, and that, you know, requires us to understand um, the complex ecological systems, uh, the carbon systems, but, but all the way down to our human systems of our culture and our communities and our government and, and how these things interact and, and business, of course, and how these all interact with each other in order for you to be able to solve these complex problems. So I would call it a regenerative approach. I would call it an entrepreneurial approach um, because it definitely doesn't shy away from obviously the need for us all to um, do business and, and make our mark on the world because we're here and we're a part of it. How can we do that well? And how can we do that in a positive way? When I was taught about climate change at school in a traditional way, right, it was very science-based. I think I did it in biology class, mm -hmm. and it was very much about global warming and the greenhouse, um, greenhouse effect, right, but less about the social uh, impacts around that and how to mitigate or adapt to it. Um, what's your view, Leslie, on the traditional way that climate change is taught in schools? Well, I think you, you said that really well. I mean, when I see, my, you know, my niece and nephew and lots of other school systems and I read, it's, it is very science-based about climate change and what's actually happening in the world. And, and that's great. We do need to understand that. But that's not very real. That's not very, you know, in your face, hands-on, you can see it. Um, it's sort of kind of out there. And really we wanna make it real for our students. We wanna show them exactly um, what those systems are. So we get out of the classroom a lot. Uh, we create those systems do, using aquaponics and other, and other examples within our programming. The, but the other thing that I think is really important is you have to show students that they matter, um, that it's not just something out there that's so big and it's all these other entities and everyone else has to change. But when they recycle and when they 
um, do trash pickups and when they do activism that it really matters too. So there's a lot of those activities as well. So curriculum, it has to, I think, include much more of those activities and actions. One thing about Green School, I've spoken to a few people about it. I've got friends who lived in Bali uh, and also lots of people back in the UK where I'm from have heard of Green School. I would absolutely love to send their children there. But playing a devil's advocate a bit about the school is the exclusive, I'm sure you get this a lot, the exclusive um, element of Green School. The fact that it's not available to everyone. For example, I didn't notice many Indonesian students at Green School in Bali. Um, should a sustainability education be out of reach for people who can't afford it is my question well of, of course not and and you know in the green school bali we have a very robust um program for indonesian students we actually have 54 indonesian students there on a full scholarship uh and we we're constantly working to to make that even um even more and our other schools will have that as well but but yes right you know right now it's it, it can be difficult because of cost or location the the hope is and why i'm still with green school for so long as i've seen the magic of this education and how it works for students is that we get these network of schools these networks of teachers and parents and students working together um, around the world. And then from that, we develop um, teacher training programs, community training programs. We develop an understanding of how to bring this into all different kinds of communities. So that's really part of our long range plan with you know, Green School Bali and our other schools in New Zealand and South Africa being um, places for us to um, um, exper experiment's not the right word, but but really show how this type of learning can be and then to bring that as far afield as we can. And that will take time. Okay. And um, another element that interested me, because I went to boarding school, right? A fairly a traditional English boarding school, um, which I'm sort of grateful for, but sort of not. And I know a lot of people that were very damaged by the experience of being right. at a boarding school. Right. Now I'm sure, but uh, green school's got a boarding school element. I'm sure it's very different to the one I experienced, which is, yeah. I mean, think, think of sort of Hogwarts and, and uh, <laughs> that sort of, I mean, it was, it was for, for, for people weren't ready for it. It was brutal. Right. And, and it's yeah. <laughs> affected them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, what about the boarding school? element of green school and keeping it safe and responsible environment for for kids who are separated from their parents you know that's a great question about the boarding program we had a boarding program for many many years and we actually do not have it anymore for the last three or four years and it wasn't necessarily about be, being safe but it was more about um our model our model is community-based about families coming together on this journey of living more sustainably and learning together and taking care of each other. And so what we realized is it really, we really wanted um, all of our students to be with their families on this journey. Uh, as well, of course, there's always difficulty when you're doing a boarding program as well anywhere. So we have kind of reassessed that and we'll look to the future and see if boarding programs are um, part of the model in the future, but right now they're actually not part of the model. It's it's actually about being together. Hmm. Okay, yeah, sure, that certainly makes sense. So, um, your final question for you, Leslie. I'd like to ask you about the 
the school of the future yeah. and what it looks like to you in terms of the, the uh, curriculum and, and whatever else. Now, in the future, presumably, if um, traditional mainstream schools cotton on to the idea that sustainability is important, um, green school, you know, there might not be, in inverted commas, a need for green school because mm. schools have finally got it. Um, so, yeah, what, what does the future of schooling look like to you? Well, I, I think there's so many great schools out there and, and green schools, one of them, and it's my favorite, obviously, but I, I do want to say that I think there's amazing work happening in the field of education. But I do think that the school of the future uh, relies much more on developing um, content and activities that relate to what's happening now uh, and not looking, you know, not, not relying so much on the past. I do think it is really important that it relies more on the power of the individual versus on the conformity uh, and understanding that. And I do think it relies on allowing students to do uh, more, and this is happening again in lots of places, but it really depends, but lots of projects and hands-on work so that they can really understand um, all different kinds of ways of thinking. We're not preparing students for jobs that we know exist. We're preparing them for jobs we don't know exist and we need to give them the skill set. So I would say it's much more skills focused than content focused. Um, and it's much more, it, we come back to the community and bringing schools back to the center of the community in which we are in. Uh, I think that would be a really important part of it too. Um, but my hope, my, you know, my hope is that we, we get outside more, we do more mindfulness, we put more arts and PE in, um, uh, when, you know, when something has to get cut, it's not those that get cut. Uh, and, and we move forward in that way, because we know that's how students learn best. Yeah, sorry, I've just got to ask another question that just cropped up during um, yeah. your response. It's just, it's about the, the fourth industrial revolution. And this, yeah, you mentioned really interestingly that a lot of jobs that are available now um, won't be in the future because mm -hmm. frankly, they'll be done by robots or be automation. Um, what do you tell um, green school students about, yeah, the, the changing nature of jobs and, and the auto and automation piece? Well, we, we tell students that they're going to have to, in many ways, maybe come up with their own jobs, or they're going to have to see opportunities and, you know, um, talk, uh, talk about creating a job from those opportunities, or they're going to have to, you know, understand how to continue to build skills in the middle of jobs that they won't be at a job for you know, 30 years, they'll be at a job or five or 10 years, um, and they'll need multiple skill sets for that. So um, we talk a lot about that. And we, and we talk about that being um, exciting versus overwhelming. I think that's one important thing, um, you know, to, to make sure and that they might go through lots of different um, times where, where it's confusing. And we also we also work on kind of the well being and the resilience around that as well. Fascinating and a great place to leave it. Um, Leslie, yeah. thank you so much for joining the Eco Business Podcast. Yeah, such a pleasure and uh, wish we had more time to, to chat and thanks for the work that you're doing. This podcast was hosted by Eco Business, Asia's leading media company serving the region's sustainability community. Join the conversation by visiting eco-business.com, follow us on social media or subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.